Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello all and welcome to the second half of the, I don't know, media edition of Vigilantes. Um, this is Brian Courtney. That other guy's Darren Jolly. The other guy, yeah. Um, so when we closed out the the first half of this set, um, we were kind of talking about, well, Thanos killing fifty percent of the population. Um, I think that's where we ended. I I still don't know what's whether or not what he was doing was wrong. We were kind of talking about it while we were waiting to record again. And uh, I said, well, most people probably think that it's probably not a bad idea. They would just like to save themselves and like 10 people that they know, which, you know, it really can't work out that way. It's either 50% or you and the people you know and your neighbor and the people they know and so on. So, um, the only person that would be absolved from a position is the snapper. Right. Right. Um, that doesn't mean the vagina. And, and Thanos, I mean, he kind of, you know, went and fucking retired to, which I thought was weird, like a cabin in the woods on some other fucking planet. But that's a demonstration of the, like his genuine, lack of hypocrisy relative to it. I mean, he destroys the stone. He just goes and tries to live a simple life. Yeah, and I think he did feel bad about it on some level. I mean, I don't think Thanos was a bad guy. His his daughter, well, depending on which daughter, um, the blue daughter, which I never can remember her name, uh, she wasn't a big fan like she always said the sarcastic thanks dad um but whatever so you want to talk about more comic shit or songs books where where do you want to go you know i i was dominating a little bit i mean i think uh i mean there's all kinds of I wish that I would have watched Taxi Driver again before this. Like, Travis Bickle is like, isn't that what that guy's name was? Yeah. He is like the the freakiest fucking anti-hero that I've ever seen. I had it pulled up to watch. Um, but something about fucking Jodie Foster's character in there just creeps me out, dude. Weird, dude. Like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, underage prostitutes. Yeah. Very, it's very, very, very dark. Um, How old was she when that even fucking... I think she was 12, maybe 14. But it's still, for what it is, I mean, it was a fucking... You talking to me? You looking in the mirror? You talking to me? Yeah. De Niro did a pretty good job. She was 14. Okay. 
Well, I took a couple of guesses, but I was right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, dude. Like, I can handle all kinds of shit um, with regard to movies and violence and shit, but when you start fucking with kids, it still just messes with me. And who knows? Like, you know, we always talk about True Detective and, and that one trailer park bunny ranch where Woody Harrelson gives that the madam a hard time saying, you know, that girl's not 18. Mm-hmm. She's like, you have no fucking idea what that girl has been through or why she's here. And you don't really give a fuck until you can't control it anymore. And that's when you want to poke your nose in and, and say whatever. And I think she's probably right. 150%. Yeah, her critique of his character is spot on. Well, I'm not just talking about Woody Harrelson. I'm talking about just... Men in general. Men in general. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that that's why the Jodie Foster thing bothers me. I mean, she could have had it... And, and maybe, you know, working for Harvey Keitel, if you want to call it working. Um, n- not that having sex isn't work if you're getting paid, but like getting smacked around by some fucking pimp isn't work. Um, It's like abuse. But I don't know, dude. Like, it just, it it bugs me. Well, I mean, I think it it should. But I mean, I think that that's the point of the movie. The, The movie, like, when you watch it, like, the whole movie makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, that it's, that is the, Robert De Niro and fucking uh, Martin Scorsese. I mean, that, like he was having a hard time getting the financial backing originally. Like Harvey Keitel, I I, I watched something and he he. I think if I remember this correctly, Harvey Keitel. It's kind of like the same thing that happened in Reservoir Dogs. Like he came in and said, "I'm going to do this for very little because the the content of this film." is important it's important for us to think about you know so did he take points on the back end i i i'd have to go back and look at the specifics i don't want to say anything for sure i just know that like he became a huge advocate of and scorsese even though like mean streets had come out at that point in time uh it was before um the black and white one with the boxer that was raging bull yeah raging bull had come out he hadn't quite um become the the monster that he ultimately became you know so it, it, like whatever he did it helped to sort of like push the funding into a, a spot where the the film was made and is looked at as one of you know the most significant films of in film history you know i mean when i was looking at uh i pulled some a couple of stupid top 10 vigilante movies and it came it was number one on like three of them so like that's that's interesting, you know, no matter what, like whatever lens a person takes. Um, and one of them, it was interesting because they said, we're taking out all superheroes. We're not going to even have superheroes in this discussion. We want it to be just uh, regular human beings. So like in that one, they had a movie called Prisoners is number 10, Falling Down was number nine. This movie called The Equalizer, uh, this goofy movie that came out about 10 years ago called Drive, Gran Torino. Boondock Saints. Maybe we should talk about Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints I was planning on it. Uh, taken, which is, you know, an, 
But I mean, because he's outside the CIA and what he does, I mean, it's total fucking vigilante stuff. Uh, Death Wish, which is, I mean, like you don't remember anything. What the fuck is that guy's name? Uh, the guy that Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Like, who does this guy think he is? And he's a motherfucking Charlie Bronson, right? Can you name that movie? I know you can name that movie. <laughs> motherfucking Charlie Bronson. Gary Oldman was the person that said it. There's your hint. So you can you can answer it in the responses if you uh, listen to this. Uh, then Dirty Harry was number two, and Taxi Driver was number one. Well, Dirty Harry was a cop. But so, but he's he. They make a huge point about it, though. He's a cop, but he was sort of like the cop that that created the stereotypical typical space of the cop going above the law. So he was a cop that rejected being a cop, sort of on some level. But the Equalizer, so that was Denzel Washington, but that was a remake of the show that was on when we were kids. That was uh, they talked about that in it. They said this is this is a remake from. And I I thought that the Equalizer was okay, um, but I just I was always, it still kind of bothers me, that, like. I don't know. They just have to continue to churn shit over and over and over again. And who knows? Maybe the show The Equalizer sucked, but I had no taste because I was fucking nine. Um, but that I happened. thought I thought it was fucking cool back then. Why? What? I mean, I don't know. It was this guy, and again, so I don't know. Like, I always considered him more of like a private eye, like. People would hire him if they needed help, and he wasn't like a fixer, like that type of help, you know. Like, rich guy gets in trouble and and goes to this guy. It was like people just needed help with whatever. And I can't remember any of the fucking shows because it was forty years ago. But like in the Equalizer, um, the movie, Denzel Washington helps one lady get rid of some uh, gangbangers that are trying to extort money out of her for protection. Um, he helps this girl, and I could be confusing because there's two of them. There's Equalizer 1 and 2 now. Um, but he's a Lyft driver, and he helps this one girl because these guys in the hotel room, like, drug her up so bad and, and just fuck her up so he takes her to the hospital and then goes back to the hotel room and fucks those guys up so just little things like that mm -hmm. um that type of help and it, it's definitely in the movie it has more of a vigilante tone than the tv show did but that might be because of the difference between 1982 or 83 to 2007. 2007. Yeah. Like, the Vigilantes on CBS or whatever fucking channel it was on, you know, that was oh, they had inappropriate. Them, no, the third one's coming out now, oh, or soon. 2014 was when the first one came out. 2018 is the second one. Yeah, 2023. 2023. Yeah, so I wasn't... I, I was only going to briefly talk about the Equalizer because, again, I, I'm i not entirely sure that they should have called it the Equalizer since the show and the movie are as different as they are. But the one thing in the, in the first movie that I thought was kind of cool is his wife dies 
and that's not the cool part but she was an english professor and she had always tried to get him to read you know you need to read this book it's one of the greatest whatever so she had a list of like a hundred books that he was supposed to read throughout probably their marriage if their relationship was anything like any of mine. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, Whatever you mean. A hundred books he was supposed to read, and he waited until she was dead, but then he started reading all of them. So usually when somebody saw him, he was reading in a cafe or on the sidewalk or whatever. So I thought that was kind of cool. The Invisible Man was one of those books. Now... You could probably read some shit into that if you wanted to, but I don't see why anyone would. Because uh, I, I think the only H.G. Wells book, I think I, War of the Worlds and uh, Time Machine. Are the only or I should say Invisible Man. Yeah, Sorry. but that's the H.G. The Wells one, right? You were talking about? Or was that Ray Bradbury? That was Ray Bradbury, wasn't it? What the fuck book am I thinking of? Where everybody says that it's based on race and dude worked in a fucking oh, paint you're talking pigment about my, shop? You're talking about my favorite book. I, I didn't think you were talking about Ralph Ellison. Ralph Ellison wrote that book. And it was rooted in notes for the underground. So, yeah, I know that book. That's another great fucking book. I thought you were talking about... Yeah, what? Invisible notes Man? from the underground. Notes, yeah, that was... Yeah. Happy. Really, really make you feel good about the world kind of, kind of novels. No, and Invisible Man was a great book. But, like, I think that a lot of people would say, oh, well, Denzel Washington's reading that because Ralph Ellison wrote it or because it was about race or any number of things. And I don't think any of that is true. I think it could have just been coincidence. No, I, if, if anybody... I mean, he's, he, you can listen to YouTube conversations, like there's old, like recordings that he, before he died, where he talks very specifically about how if you look at it only through the lens of race, then you're fucking missing the, the, the boat on the conversation. So. Well, I think the important part, though, is that his wife was an English professor, yeah. and if an English professor is going to tell you to read a book, it's not going to be... The Hunger Games. It's going to be Invisible Man. Yeah. Or Notes for the, from the Underground. Right. Or The Stranger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 Mm. Camille. Yes. No, no. The English professor would say yes. yes. Okay. I'm you sorry. Have what, to, were you, what were you meaning then? I was just thinking about him being a vigilante walking down the beach. Um, In The Stranger you're talking about. Yeah. 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 That's fucking weird, dude. So fucking weird. I love that book too. Fucking weird, dude. It's been raining in Colorado for the last four days, so with these giant fucking Miller moths all over the place. Fucking crazy. Like you open the fucking door and the lights on and they're fucking like smacking you in the head. Dun 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 dun. Oh wait. In the glass, whenever I open up the Jeep, there's a whole shitload of them in there. It's delightful. It's marvelous. I hate those dirty motherfuckers. Um, yeah, so should we skip to Boondock Saints? Yeah, let's Boondock Saints it first. Okay. That's a fucking great film. I've always loved it. Since I saw it in 
99. I know it came out in 99, but I think I didn't probably see it until 2000 when it was released on VHS or whatever. But even if you leave in all of the fucking hokey religious shit that's there, I still love that fucking flick. I think that the religious stuff is part of what makes it, I mean, because of the fact that, like, they cite biblical biblical passages that talk about becoming the hand of justice. I mean, yes, that's fucking, the way that they do it is fucking awesome, you know. In a world where that doesn't exist, you know, you 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 become responsible to do it yourself. It's an awesome movie. I still think it's hysterical that they just sort of stumbled onto this vocation. Um because they fought the Russians on the bar, which I know we've talked about this on another episode before, but they fought the Russians in the bar, Russians come for revenge. They're going to kill the one brother, and well, they've got the other one handcuffed to a toilet. And I don't know why his decision was to walk upstairs with the toilet. It ended up working out for him. The one that he dropped off the fucking. Like, why wouldn't he have run down the stairs? But, anyways, so he. Because God is directing them. Oh, see, I never thought that. But I guess I that think, I don't think you overthink it though. I don't think it's like literally, even though like I said it, like I said it, it's more like it's mathematically improbable. So it's not like it's not like they're but they are the hand of God. I mean, that's sort of what they're positing, you know. But that doesn't mean that they don't have will. Like I don't want to get into a big... No, I'm not I'm not saying that. The only thing that I was saying is that for some reason in movies, they always run up the stairs. Yeah. Always. To get away from... It doesn't somebody. matter if somebody's chasing them, if they're trying to chase someone or whatever. They're always running up the stairs. Um, but they, they did take the one brother downstairs and they were going to kill him in the alley. And then... Just lucky for everybody, he's standing up on the rooftop with a fucking toilet. And he jumps off five stories and drops the one toilet on the one guy and lands on the other guy. And that's when the one cop was like, what if a big fat guy (laughs) and stomped this one to death? Um, Willem Dafoe was a really weird character in that movie, dude. He, well, okay. Did you see the second one? I didn't. No, I started watching it once, but it was it was hard for me. It was different, for sure. Um, but the dude that wrote and directed the first one did the second one too, and I'm not sure what he was trying with the second one. But is the father still there? Or yeah, and they do more of how the father became the father, mm-hmm. like. The way it starts is a priest was killed, and everybody's blaming the saints. And the people that know them, well, one, know that they're hiding in Ireland, and two, know that they'd never kill a priest. Um, so the brothers go back over to Boston, 
and then the dad follows later. Um, but it's it turns out to be this dude that the dad knew when they were both like in their 20s and he ended up being a mafioso type of guy and he knew killing the priest would flush out the brothers and then threatening to harm the brothers or hurting the brothers would flush out the dad and that's who he was after to begin mm -hmm. with but there was a bunch of weird fucking religious shit in the second one too and and I understand, you know, they're Catholic, you know. They're Irish Catholic. Right. Um, I, I get that you've got to have a certain amount of God if you're from Boston. Um, but if, if they were really the hand of God, would the fucking cat have exploded all over the wall? I mean, you, you get creative license however you want, you know? I mean, it plays out the way that you want it to play out, right? But if you're going to conduct yourself in relation to a power that is significantly more powerful than you are, you're not going to be able to succeed at that on any meaningful level without a little bit of help, you know? I mean, I think that's why they tend to do things like that in these moments, you know? I mean, if there's the one act, that's one thing, you know? But they there were like several weird acts that happened throughout the course of that movie. You know, they fucking fall down and they're wrapped up on the fucking and they're going around in a circle shooting. They mentioned the Charlie fucking... Bronson in that movie too. Motherfucking Charlie Bronson. Charles Bronson always has rope. You and your fucking rope. Is it white boy day? No, man. Different movie. But another, Same. another hint guy. for the, yeah, yeah. another hint for the, uh, Gary Oldman comment. Um, I don't know, dude. And you know, in the second one, uh, Dexter's wife is the cop. Oh, that's crazy. Like, I never saw her in anything else other than Dexter. That's the only thing I've ever seen her in. And besides see, Dexter. And you see her naked. In Dexter. Oh, yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, she's naked, but it's not like an attractive naked. Isn't that when she's dead, bleeding in the tub? Oh, I thought she did. You saw her boobs before that, I thought. I swore I remembered. Not that I like... Sicko. Yeah, I know. Well, that, that's not a two and a half boob show, though, right? That's more like a quarter of a boob. The big thing about Dexter was definitely not nudity. It was about... Well, I mean, nudity for guys that he was fucking killing. He didn't kill a lot of women in that one. Mm-mm. But uh, Dexter was a vigilante, too. He was the ultimate vigilante. And really played into the idea of fantasy in relation to the... I read two of the books. They were so fucking bad. They were, I couldn't read any. Because I, I watched the show so much, I tried to, tried to get through them. And by the second book, they actually have the... Oh, but you haven't seen that far into it, so you don't know what ends up happening with the... Uh, the captain, what's her name? Uh, La Guerta. No. Deb kills her. Hmm. Because she either, like, that's when Deb figures out that Dexter is who he is or what he is. And uh, she's, like, waking up in this uh, 
what the car the the storage unit the the like where he was left when he was his mom was cut oh, yeah. pieces in the cargo it was that, that was where he so they're sort of like replaying that moment and uh deb knows who he is now and Lucorda says shoot him you know and dexter says shoot me and uh, she shoots Laguarda and then goes fucking crazy, turns into a fucking big cocoa and very, very weird season seven stuff happens in that moment. But you quit walk, watching after season four, right? Five. Five. Maybe. Oh, oh so you, you watched the Lumen season. Yeah. With the, the self-help guy. And yeah. The barrel girls. Because Lumen, that was the chick... Yeah, she was in a bunch of 90s movies. Yeah. Um, Mona Lisa Smiles. I can't that. remember her name, but yeah. Um, blonde chick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Julia Stiles, that's her name. Is that what her name is? That's pretty good. I could have never pulled that out of my rectum. Uh, yeah, I mean, and we talked about this in the, the actual, like, vigilante, vigilante one. I just, Dexter, it drove me nuts. It was just too fucking repetitive, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how many fucking friends do you have to get that you continue to kill? And if so, you maybe should re-examine the way you're choosing friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> But there's a different spin on each season. I mean, the first season, it's his brother revealing himself to him. The second season, it's him relating with the concept of addiction which is unique. The third one's the one that really is about friendship. Well, he was friends with Jimmy Smith in the second season. That's the third season. Jimmy Smith in the third season. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I promise you it's the third season. But uh, the fourth season is him seeing a serial killer who's not his friend. Right, he that's John Lithgow. John Lithgow. But he's trying to wonder about the normalcy of uh, uh, being out in the open. But, uh, and then, of course, that's what ends up getting his wife killed. Then... The fifth season is um, the Barrel Girls, where it's all all five of those guys, and he's he's helping uh, Lumen to uh, to rid herself of her darkness, to get to get away from her darkness. And uh, the sixth season is the religious one, so it's about him being in the face of God, and I think that, if I remember correctly, the sixth season is the one where he becomes friends with uh, um, Mostef, who is a preacher. Let me go back to season three. Or, yeah, Finding Freebo. That's season three. Season three is Jimmy Smith's. So who the fuck was in it with the number two? That was the the British girl. The when he ends up losing his girlfriend for a little while. He has to light it on fire. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought those two were in the same fucking one, but the, okay, that's fine. And then season seven is the one where he falls in love with Blondie. What's her name? Uh, 
She she was the one that was poisoning everybody with yeah. flowers, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the one in seventh season, and that's also Isaac Serko. Uh, and she tries to kill Deb, so that's you, if you fuck with Deb, you've crossed the line. So he ends up putting her in prison, and then season eight, Dexter meets his match through the lady who taught uh, Harry the code that would help Dexter to exist in life. And her son is a fucking sociopath and a psycho who ends up killing her. And uh, she come, he comes back together with uh, the poisoner, but then he realizes that everybody that he loves that he touches ends up dying because Deb ends up dying at the end. And uh, he fakes his own death and goes and be a, a lumberjack. Yeah. <laughs> I know that from watching the bullshit fucking... Dexter New Blood or whatever the fuck they called it. Yeah, New Blood was so bad. So fucking bad. That was a, just a total fucking bastardization. I mean, there was a lot of repetition. I'll give you that. But I do think that the way that it maintained itself for so long was an interesting sociological experiment in uh, the fantasy that people have in sort of like going through the cathartic experience of seeing this person uh, create uh a ritual of uh, self-fulfilling justice over and over and over and over again. No, I get it. I know why people liked it. I'm just telling you why I didn't. Because even if you say, okay, well, it's not just about the British girl or the fucking Mexican DA or John Lithgow, the fucking Mormon serial killer or whoever. (laughs) He was a Mormon in real life. He was not a Mormon serial killer. It's... It's... Still the the same thing. So the British chick was about addiction, you know. the The Mexican DA was about finding an actual relationship that was based on trust. You know, John Lithgow was well. He thought he could show him the code too, but that was a very unique, well. That was the trust yeah, part. Yeah, uh-huh. but that's not something you can just give to people. No, because at that point you're giving them too much power. So then you know, I can't trust that motherfucker anymore. But so I'm going to have to kill him. Right. So I guess that's <laughs> the only thing. I mean, seriously, regardless of what like they did as a job or how they met Dexter, it was essentially the same thing. But I still think that they dealt with nuances in terms of themes better better and worse in some seasons. Like like I said, like I don't the season six one where it's the, the the doomsday killer was the name of the this guy who had like a fantasy, like yeah he was the one that was psychotic. doing the tableaus right yeah, the tableaus yeah but he meets like I said he meets most Def in those episodes and his relationship with most Def was I I, I wished it would have lasted longer because there were some interesting interactions between the two of them that I thought were pretty fucking interesting most Def is fucking a badass but. I don't think we can call him most deaf anymore. Is it dead naming somebody if you call them by their old name and I, they're not? Only, I, I, did, he, did he transition? No, he just became a Muslim. I can't remember what his fucking Muslim I, I, name is. Yeah, now, I, but... I, I, I didn't know that he had done that. So if somebody corrects me and educates me properly, then I will call him by his new assumed name. I would have never called uh, uh, Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay after he decided to not be Cassius Clay anymore. Yaslin Yazin Bay. Yazin Bay. Okay, there we go. 
I, I had no idea about that. That's interesting. See? You say that I'm fucking out of touch with the world. I just fucking clued you in to who is now a Muslim. Yeah, one 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 moment <laughs> that, that totally like writes all the fucking historical disconnected wrongs of your entire existence, you fucking douchebag. And I'm sorry that I said the interesting uh, character and interesting interactions. I, I should have had a better modifier there. I apologize for my... Uh, when I was talking about the relationship between Mostef and Dexter, it wasn't very, there wasn't any like uh, art to it. It didn't sound good. It was also kind of redundant. Yeah, it was. That's right. I said, I had, I needed that. But like I said, I needed a better modifier. Yeah, you should be fucking apologetic. Um, so, do you want to talk more about Dexter? I, I, I think I've said everything that I, I mean, yeah. Like we we know we know what he did you know like the only the only point that I thought was important to make especially was that the dude was a serial killer and people like the end of season one remember when he had this uh, fantasy where people saw him for who he was and they were shooting streamers and all that kind of stuff like yeah. like I we love you Dexter I mean the the irony of the, because of the fanfare that the show got for itself was was superb i mean to be perfectly honest and i I do like uh what's his name michael uh michael thomas or michael c hall or c michael hall that sounds right he 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 really played he was incredible like he was very very good in that that role i really liked it i think he's fucking british too No. no no michael c hall you know he got married to Deborah while they were making the show Mm-mm. for like a couple of years. Had popped out a couple of kids and then got divorced and still continued to do the show. Well, I guess you owed me that one for the most deaf thing, dude. Well, I can do it now. Over. I feel enlightened. I can do it over and over and over again, bitch. <laughs> um, we talk shit. It's important. What else was on that list? Well, I mean, stuff that you didn't like. I mean, Taken. Why don't you think Taken's good enough? No, Taken's all right. I mean... The father protecting the daughter, you know? Yeah. In a situation where no fucking... Well, but, you know, actually, that's where maybe one of them kind of cross over to... Like, okay, so... And one of the equalizers... He is going after the daughter of a girl that the dad took to, like, Turkey. Um, well, Liam Neeson goes to fucking Paris to get his daughter because I can't remember. Was it fucking dudes from Azerbaijan or some shit that fucking grabbed her? Um, anyway, somebody kidnapped her, but with Liam Neeson and Taken, and even the, the girl who hired the equalizer to go get the daughter, I can kind of understand why you'd have to go to extreme measures because like getting anything done here in the United States would be bad enough. Like if somebody takes your daughter, um, whether it be a parent or not. Uh, but if they've got them overseas, 
you got a fucking zero percent chance of yeah. anything you, happening. You you would have to have a special skill set, right? <laughs> <laughs> because the red tape going through and and like, I mean, she's so they're 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 stealing these these young girls. They're getting them addicted to heroin. They're fucking their fucking brains out until they end up either killing them or giving them overdosed and then it's over with. Well, and she she was a virgin, so she was special. Mm-hmm. So they That's had right. sold was... her to like a sheik UAE, or some shit. Like that. Yeah, yeah so they weren't even going to stay in fucking France. I mean, if Liam Neeson didn't show up at exactly that moment, at that right time, she was going to be gone again. I have a special skill set. I will find you. And I will kill you. He did a good job of finding her. All off of a fucking clip from a voicemail. Well, dude, and that, like it was everywhere forever. Like they used him in like on like Saturday Night Live and all these different places because of just parodies of that fucking clip. It was fucking funny, dude. It was goofy. But I mean, it's, you know, it's immediately re- relatable. You know, I mean... If anybody did that to my kid, I would have fucking killed them. And I wouldn't have thought twice about it if I could. I don't have a special skill set, so I would be fucked, you know. But if I had the CII capabilities where I could get in and out and da 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 and be there right at the right point in time. And that's like we, we all feel, you know, if you did that to if anybody did that to anybody's daughter, like you 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 talked about how if you were going to be the person that were doing those things under those circumstances, you would pull fingernails, you know. You want you want to exact some pain when somebody, especially when you're dealing with someone that you love that's vulnerable, relatively vulnerable. They don't understand the world that they're going into, you know. There's they they're not aware of certain consequences that while they're unlikely, they exist, they're possible. And yeah. if they fucking become very real. You want to be the punisher at that point in time. Joints, ball peen hammers. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to get some hard hit motherfuckers, a pair of pliers, and a blowtorch. You do have a special skill set, dude. What's that? I rattle on like the clatter bone of a goose's ass? No, I was going to say research. So, like. <laughs> I bet you you could. There's not a doubt in my mind. Do you know what the meaning of research is? To search again. That's right. Um, no, so I, I I, guess I only saw it taken one time, so I didn't initially think of it as some sort of vigilante thing. Maybe because he had been former CIA. I don't know. But that's why he has that specific, you know. But he's retired. You know? Right. He's playing poker, I think, at the beginning of the... With his CIA buddies from or at a barbecue or something, okay, some something shit, like that, yeah. some relaxation thing. Yeah. Um, not therapeutic, not therapeutic, exotic relaxation type of thing. <laughs> no, he does have to like ask them for help too. He did because he didn't have access to those. Yeah, he needed certain things, and then when he got to Paris, he had to ask. I guess his Parisian counterpart for help also. Um, but the Parisian dude was in on it, so he didn't want to fucking give him all the help. So I had to go and fuck with him and his wife. What about uh, Shooter? Is that is that vigilante? That's 
fucking Marky Mark, right? Yeah. He, I mean, because they're he's buried. I mean, they they finger him for the fucking assassination. Yeah. And he has to go, you know. And he 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 takes his buddy's ex wife. Yeah. Probably starts banging her. That's a, that's a good way to commemorate the memory of your your spotter. I'm pretty sure he does bang her because they're together at the end, like in the same car. So I'm pretty sure they're fucking. Um, Michael Pena. He's a, he's a goofy motherfucker, dude. So are you asking if it's a vigilante thing because he's trying to clear his name or because of all of the people he kills while he's doing well, it? Well, he sort of exacts a bunch of revenge. And I mean, at the end, he definitely fucking does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ned Beatty was, he was squealing like a pig. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could be vigilante. I don't see why not. I mean, we don't have real... Squealing like a pig. Solid definitions of that shit. Squeal Like a Pig was not Vigilante. Defiance was not. Isn't that what the name of that movie was? Deliverance. Deliverance, that's right. I think Defiance is something else. Yeah, I'm sure you're right about that. No, I'm just trying to think if I've seen that movie. I know I've heard of it. Um, no, but there are a lot of those that... Well, I guess until we come up with a fucking topic, there are so many movies that I never would have thought of as the movie or as that category. category yeah. um, we, but we're obsessed with the concept of taking justice in our own hands. That's why, like, when all the shit that I was saying about January sixth and like the, the you know the, the roots of this country and. Uh, the strategic institutionalism that that Big J talked about, you know, um, we 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 have a a love, an obsession, I would say, with concepts like creating our own justice, but we also have this contradictory attachment to the state itself, you know. It's these are two ideas that are clearly that's why she when she when she originally wrote that paper and so like to understand the tension between uh, our sort of like romantic attachment to the idea in contradistinction from the institution you know and then trying to balance those things at the same time which we don't do we're not trying to balance them we're literally like doing both things at the same time like full speed ahead that's where those assholes were. You know, that guy put on the fucking horns and painted his fucking head and body and said, I'm the, what was uh, the stupid uh, Q? And he said, I'm the Q guy, you know, the Q and I'm stuff. Oh, you know, you, because you don't pay attention to anything. You don't know much about the Q and I'm stuff, do you? No. It's incredible. No. Listeners, understand that Brian does not know what Q and on is. I do not. And I don't care. Um. Oh, here's one. What? They've got gangs of New York on this list. As a vigilante thing? Yeah. That's where, I mean, they're definitely creating their own. And they literally use, uh, but they, they, they subjugate uh, the police department and everything to their. Well, so what's his name? The Butcher. He kills 
Irish dude's dad. Mm-hmm. Irish Liam dude Neeson. goes to jail. Wasn't that his dad? Liam well, Neeson? yeah, Liam Neeson died. Yeah. Um, but then DiCaprio, as a kid, goes to that jail and then comes back and buddies up to the butcher so that he can kill him. And that one guy knows who is what his background is, but he's the only one. And they end up fucking killing him brutally. Oh my god, they beat him brutally. Yeah, him brutally. Fucking hung him up on that wrought iron fence, yeah, dude. They let him die that way. He was alive when they fucking pinned him up there and kept him there until. Yeah, because they couldn't drag him off. DiCaprio tried, and he just like. He ended up killing. I can't really kill you know, him. He whelped in pain because I mean. Yeah. He had it going through like four four spots of his body, so I could see that. Because mm-hmm. then they end up getting in the big gang fight at the end. Um, but then, in any gang position, would be at well, that point. no, no, no. But I mean, because he just wanted so badly to fucking kill the butcher because so of what he had done to father. his dad. Yeah. But again, that then that goes into the way that you titled it was actually pretty brilliant, you know, because there's this sliding scale between. I like the way you sounded surprised by that. Well, it does surprise me. I don't like all your stupid fucking titles. But that was a pretty good one. There's a sliding scale between these three concepts, between vigilanteism and, uh, like, uh, what the fuck am I trying? Oh, uh, vengeance, and what was the third thing? Victim. Uh, victim, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's important to understand the tension between all those three spaces when you're trying to imagine whether or not a person... And and again, like it's it becomes kind of redundant at some point to like overplay whether or not something is vigilanteism. It's important that to understand that when people commit acts that they identify as vigilanteism, that they they perceive justice as not functioning functioning in a meaningful way in relation to their existence, and then they commit very crazy acts to sort of like I mean. I was when earlier today I was thinking about like Malcolm X would have to be identified as a vigilante. I mean, uh, like anybody that did uh, like the entire uh, ACLU, I'm not ACLU, um, uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and the, uh, uh, the Christian and the Christian uh, organization. Why can I not remember what the name of that is? Uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Coalition, the SCLC. Um, that that the uh, Martin Luther King was a part of because they were all seeing that the legal system was not functioning on their behalf. So they committed illegal acts to try to drive a certain point home. I mean, that's a form of vigilanteism. Any form of civil disobedience would be by that definition, a form of vigilanteism, unless you say that vigilanteism is something that's more singular, but then the gangs of New York, if you're saying that, that's, that's still a group then again at that point. You know? Well, that stretches the fucking movie list out a ton to a much broader selection. Well, vigilantism would be something that would be a part and parcel to almost all. I mean, what what national treasure? You know, because of the way that they steal the fucking declaration. They, they steal the Declaration of Independence and commit all these other illegal acts in a in the spirit of trying to to save something, to protect something, and to find a treasure at the same time. Right. That's like the fucking parents spanking the kids saying this hurts. Me a lot. Yeah. This hurts me a lot more than it does you. That's me. 
fuck you. I'm going to be a vigilante now. <laughs> um, so I had kind of forgotten about this movie, but the crow is on here. Well, but he's dead, isn't he? Well, they're like somewhere between life and death in that movie. Yeah, so they, whatever, this gang of like five people, they're basically the guys that light fires every year because um, they work for this larger organized guy. He's He kind of handles all the organized crime in Detroit. Um, but Brandon Lee which I can't remember his character's name. I think it's just the crow. No, there's an, there's an actual became, name. Yeah, he became the crow, but he started as something else. Yeah, he and his girlfriend are in this apartment, and they're complaining about certain things and trying to get, like, a neighborhood watch and some other fucking neighborhood thing. So these guys kick in the door. They killed Brandon Lee. They rape and... The girlfriend ends up dying, and the story is that if a soul isn't ready to go, then it goes inside this crow, and so the crow is there, and so Brandon Lee starts cruising around and fucking killing all of these guys that, you know raped and killed his girlfriend and killed him. Uh, that was a badass movie. And a good fucking soundtrack, really too. Good, really good. That was what I was going to say. I remember, the sound, I remember the soundtrack more than I remember the movie. I didn't, the movie I didn't love. I like Alex Proyas. He's directed a lot of stuff. He he directed the iRobot. He directed uh, um, the uh, Dark City. Alex Proyas is a pretty pretty good director. Eric was his name in the, in the movie. A very forgettable fucking name. To be sure. Knowing that was a fucking weird fucking movie. Have you seen that? Yeah, you told me you didn't see it. You should, That's you should the one where it. they know like three seconds or some shit, right? No, no. His uh, his kid... This one... Girl that went to school where he goes to school. His son goes to school at... Um, starts writing all these numbers down, like like they're being t communicated to her through something else, and it turns out that they're dates and times where big world events happen, and she writes it all down until this point where there's there's no more. So like the idea is is that that's the end of big events happening, and the world gets fucking destroyed, and uh, his son and the the girl's granddaughter go and. They're like Adam and Eve in another, like uh, like a sci-fi thing, like in another planet. There's angels. It's fucking, but it's a very fucking, like the way that they play it out is fucking peculiar, like super fucking peculiar. Well, yeah. I mean, when you started talking about angels and shit on another planet, I thought that was pretty peculiar. <laughs> um, Nicholas Cage, he's a fucking weirdo, dude. Did you see Law Abiding Citizen? No, I, I, what, I, like, I, I remember that in my head though. Who, who was that? Jamie Fox was in it, um, and some Butler, something or another. Yeah, Gerard Butler. <laughs> um, so again, two dudes 
break into Gerard Butler's house and they think they killed him. They but he's laying there alive while he's watching these two guys fucking rape and kill his wife and daughter. Yeah, that's but you gotta kill that person. Jamie Foxx is the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And Gerard Butler is trying to go with the program, and he's trying to, you know, bring these guys to justice legally. But Jamie Foxx is a a prosecutor who's worried more about his win rate. Than justice. Than actually, yeah. And so... One guy rolls up on the other one, and then the one gets the death penalty, but one only gets like three years in prison. And it turns out that Gerard Butler is like some super fucking smart dude that used to work for the CIA or NSA or some shit like that. Um, and he starts developing all these really fucking cool things to kill... Oh, that reminds me of another one. Um, To kill the... <laughs> The prosecutor, the judge, you know, he's he's trying to kill everybody that fucking touched it, including the two criminals, like the one that had the death penalty. He figured out a way to hack into the system, so he sent different chemicals than what should have been there, you mm-hmm. know, because they send one chemical to basically put you to sleep and then then one to shut down your respiratory system and then one to shut your heart down. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever the fuck he sent, it fucking made this guy scream and yell in pain (laughs) and was fucking frothing at the mouth and all kinds of shit. Um, The judge that was on the case he installed something on her fucking cell phone that when she picked it up, it went and fucking shot through her head. Um, there was all kinds of really cool gadgets and shit in it. Sometimes you got to have a little bit of revenge, you know. Sometimes, I mean, it's your, it's your wife and your daughter. I mean, that's a double whammy, dude. You got to drop a motherfucking bomb on that person. Oh, the one that, so he was actually the one that didn't get the death penalty. Um, he got the worst of it, I think, because he was actually the one that committed the rapes. I think both of them killed him, but whatever. Um, so he takes them and he gives them like blowfish venom or some shit, which apparently paralyzes you to where you can't move but it doesn't do anything for how you feel pain so you can't move but you hurt like a motherfucker right so he started fucking chopping shit off and he's like oh yeah and just in case you want to close your eyes i'm cutting your eyelids off so he cut his fucking eyelids off um and he said then this part right here and he showed him like a a safety razor he's Mm -hmm. like this is what I'm going to cut your prick off with. <laughs> but we'll save that for later. <laughs> yeah, dude. People have a fascination with justice in moments like that. It's like you imagine the worst fucking possible thing that could happen to you ever, right? 
and then the 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 most excruciating way of exacting justice in relation to that thing itself like it's 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 like this obsession with these catharsis moments you know like you 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 watch these shows to give you these you know like uh, pheromone releases or something like that you know it makes you feel something no i got gotcha. you i I wasn't saying anything. What was the other one that you thought of while you were talking about that? You said there was that made me think of a... Oh, uh, so Jennifer Garner was in one not too long ago called Peppermint. And she was mom. And her husband was about to go and rob a drug dealer. But he changed his mind and told his friend, no, I'm not going to come along. Well, the drug dealer got wind of the fact that this guy was thinking about robbing him. Mm -hmm. So to prove a point, he went and gunned down the family. Mm -hmm. Well, Jennifer Garner lived. And the drug dealer was fairly loaded. Um, so he had... Paid off the prosecutor. He had paid off the basically everybody in the fucking courtroom. So Jennifer Garner ended up whacking a cop in the head and then splitting. She disappeared for like five years and then came back and started exacting her revenge. Like she hung two of the dudes from the Ferris wheeler or from the Ferris wheel at the park where they had gunned down her family and she just went on a, a killing spree throughout LA. Now Jennifer Garner, huh? Is that not who it is? No, no, no. I I, I just no, I, I it's hard for me to see her playing that role. Well she was the one in alias, right? I don't remember. Didn't she play a spy? She might have. But going around and fucking hat hatcheting a motherfucker up all over the place. Oh, she blew a judge up. So, you know, they have debt cord. And they have debt cord that you can buy at, like, hardware stores and shit that are used to, like, blow up tree stumps. Mm -hmm. She tied the judge that was presiding over the case. She tied him up with all that debt cord and then went down the block and blew him up. When you were talking about that, that reminded me of Hard to Kill. That was a dumb fucking movie. Because his family gets killed, and he's in a fucking coma for five years. And then his wife, his real-life wife, Kelly LeBrock, uh, nurtures him back to life. And he gets his revenge. All these revenge things, dude. Yeah, and again, you know, I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I don't know... And I know you just said that yeah, she was an A-list, you're right. maybe they are closer than most people think or whatever the fuck it is you said. I mean, with victim and revenge and... Well, they're cool. I mean, they're, there's a sliding... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just always, again, thought of, like, law-abiding citizen as revenge i thought about peppermint as revenge but i guess it could be both it's revenge and vigilantism because 
I mean, just based on the definition alone, you know, taking the law into one's own hands is being a vigilante. Now, that doesn't mean you're not also seeking revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Categories are not mutually exclusive when it comes to stuff like that. So when you're motivated to commit an act that you otherwise wouldn't have been committed to do, there has to be something. You're exacting a price, right? And the price is relative at that point in your mind. And that's not something that you can maintain quantitatively. It's definitely a qualitative thing. Like you're fucking looking at this motherfucker and you're like, you killed my family. You raped and, you know, kidnapped my daughter. You, whatever. Well, she was a badass in that fucking movie. Um, which I guess if you're going up against like at least a portion of a cartel, because they weren't really the cartel, but they sold drugs for the cartel. What did you say the name of that one was again? Peppermint. Oh, 2018. Riley North. Where they come up with these fucking names, man? Sometimes these names are just so hacky. It's on Netflix right now. Yeah, it's a pretty decent flick. So, I'm sure everyone, including you, has heard of Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2. Yeah. I think the movies that actually spawned those two movies, one of them was called Defender, Mm -hmm. and one of them was called Super, and... Kick-Ass was, you know, about, like, an above-average student who had lost his uh, feeling because he had nerve damage, so he could take a punch and it wasn't going to hurt, whatever. (laughs) Still have damage, but not feel it. But Defendor and Super were just about... And there was some revenge and and vigilante stuff that happened in in the show, or in both movies, but they were about, like, full-on fucking delusional retards that, like, decided they were going (laughs) to put on a fucking hero costume. I watched that one. I can't remember. I think it was Super that I watched, but it might have been Defendor. That was the whole reason that we did that fucking superhero bar crawl Mm -hmm. was because I thought it was hysterical. Cause then I read all of these stories where people were really doing this shit, dressing up in a costume and riding around town, like fighting crime. Do that with you. I forgot that you did that. You're such a dipshit. Roger and Yana went Rhonda and Daniel went Aaron was there. And everybody dressed up. Yeah. I was there. I don't know. I because I mean we were on a bar crawl, so I was pretty shit paced after about the third bar. I can't remember much after that. What was your retarded superhero? I was Mister Clean, dude. Like I had a fucking a toilet brush or something. Yeah, and a couple of bars of soap to whack people with, <laughs> and my fucking 
like I had a shower curtain as a cape and holy shit that was fucking hot dude oh my god anyway that was a fucking blast but I mainly did it because <laughs> I watched that fucking show and then read those articles and thought you know right. if anybody wants to give Brian shit for using the word retard <laughs> I think that you just need to understand that like if fucking Dustin Hoffman's real life character when he was in fucking Rain Man started calling people retard you just sort of have to accept that when that those instances occur. You know, when the retard calls somebody a retard, you have to accept those circumstances. That's real fucking clever, dude. <laughs> real fucking clever. Um, all right, so we're over an hour. Any closing movies? I I, I don't because I got my Grand Torino. Grand Torino is my favorite one of those ones, though, because I think it's the one that comes in the face of wokeism in a ton of ways that needs to be understood. Like if you're going to have a moment where things make sense in this world, the internal contradictions when they play out, uh, they need to happen in an honest and human way. Otherwise we're fucking pretending to live in time and we're not really living in time. Well, I said at the beginning of the last episode, you know, that maybe Clint Eastwood's character, Walt, was racist because he didn't understand certain things and he lived in time these he went through well, a process regardless and i understand that certain people are are more likely to be in that position than others but these woke people or anybody who says well those people do this and that and this and that they're Maybe not as bad, but they're bad also because they have this fear that is also based on not understanding what someone else is thinking, whether it be Walt or Michael Douglas or fucking Morgan Freeman or whoever we talked about during the show. Mm -hmm. um, so to just dismiss somebody's point of view because you don't understand it isn't a way to get further ahead it's it creates, gonna fuck us over it creates social constipation it does yeah. yeah we have to be able to at least and sometimes people are going to be real ignorant and it's going to take a while you know it's it's not going to be a real quick thing but yeah i think that uh the the moral high grounders um First of all, they probably have to look at a couple of things that they, they're doing and that they think, you know, and second of all, what you just said, like somehow or another, um, it's through that abstracting, uh, not abstracting, it's through your ability to feel what another person feels and see how it was that they got to where it was that they're at that might help to, to create a space where we're not having moments like this be the resolution of a, of, a, of a bad situation. I think it would also help if a lot of these people didn't decide to help all of these other people, whether yeah. it was fat or retarded or stupid, blind, deaf, whatever, yeah. handicapable, eh. um, to help all of these people without someone saying, hey, 
You got a big fucking mouth, stupid cunt. Would you mind helping me out? <laughs> Help me. I want Netflix to fucking banish all this stuff. And I want these people over here to quit making this type of movie. And anyway. Now we're rattling on like a clatterbone. Yeah, I'm not going to rant and rave. Um, so we're at an hour and nine. Any closing thoughts? Just one quick one. Uh, I got word that... Uh... Somebody used to come into my post office all the time, died last night, so I just want to shout out to Tom. I feel horrible, man. You're a good guy. Later. All right. Short Bus Debate Club at Yahoo.com. Uh, 720-334-ROLL. And do we have any fucking idea what we're talking about next time? What, what did you say the other day? I don't know. You don't want to go to... I thought more about no, that No, I don't today. know. I don't no, know what the fuck said, I said. You said something about... Uh, um, like, uh, okay, we'll think about it. We'll talk about it. No, there was something that you said the other day. Oh, about the subcultures? Yeah. How subcultures get flipped on their head. Yeah, how they're part of the fucking mainstream now, so I don't know if there are any subcultures because we've monetized fucking everything. Well, so there's the commodification of subcultures, but there's still spaces that are hidden underneath that are not. But, I, but that yeah. does beg a question. I, I know that Big Big J, that that's not the right way to use the words. Beg a question, but it it asks the question that uh, um, in a space where everything becomes commodified, is there any way to have? Uh, are you always like sort of subsuming the subculture in in the the selling of it? Which means that because like subcultures historically were like a way of generating social motion. It was rebellion yeah. to some degree. Fuck you, I'm going to have a tattoo. Or fuck you, I'm going to have a piercing. Right. And when everybody starts having piercings and tattoos, where's the fuck you? Well, and, and so like, for instance, when BLM happened, immediately it got fucking commodified. Right. The second that it fucking started. Because so, we got to sell a bracelet or a t-shirt. So, no, I think that this is a, I, th I you know, I didn't like it when you originally said it to me, but I was thinking about it this morning. And I think that the, the commodification of subcultures and whether or not subcultures can create the type of uh, social or like a historical momentum that they once did. I think it's a really good question. It's a, it's a fucking almost an impossible question to ask right now, but I think, uh, I think there's something in it. Again, he sounds fucking surprised. I, sometimes he surprises me, you know, <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm pretty fucking, I think I'm the smartest motherfucker on the face of the earth. I, I do. That's not true. All right. We'll see no, you wait, next wait, time. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, one more sorry. thing. I'm 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 a self-proclaimed genius, right? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all. Later. Later.